new era of independent music celebration. Indecent exposure. You were convicted of indecent exposure for the third time. That's exactly what it is there, Poindexter. It is four counts of indecent exposure. And it looks like you have willingly exposed yourself to this show. Today is Thursday, July 2nd, 2015. I am your host, Jason Velasquez, known in an alternate universe as The Mongrel. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have a far-flung collection of, of tunes for you today and interviews. Starting us off will be Bjorn Buenas from Newpoli. Now, Newpoli is a Boston-based band that pretty much blends all of the ingredients, all of the influences that make up Southern Italian folk music. And they aren't afraid of bringing in things that are maybe a bit non-traditional as far as traditional Southern Italian folk music goes. They'll bring in the castanets from Spain. They'll bring in instruments from the Middle East. And the way they blend it is magic. Now, he's going to talk not only about the music itself, but about the roots of the music. Uh, Going way back into antiquity, we're talking cave paintings, people. Um, We're also talking about the many of the sort of financial and economic situations in in southern europe that have led to a new migration that uh, and, and a new set of music a new set of tunes that to go along with that it's a really interesting uh, redo if you will um, it's kind of like early 20th century all over again we also have with us paula bradley who is of the husband-wife duo Moonshine Holler, a local Berkshire act uh, that has been around for quite some time now, and they have been uh, delighting audiences with their uh, early Americana, uh, just pre-bluegrass explosion music. Um, And it is no surprise that uh, the warm weather brings them out onto the summer Concerts in the Park, Concerts by the Lake series, and you get to have a taste of that music before uh, before the weekend rolls around. And I assure you, once you hear this, this duo together, you're going to want to make it out to at least one show this summer. But right now, let's get into that interview with Bjorn Venas from Nupoli. Bjorn Wenas, uh, thank you so much for being on Indecent Exposure here at the Greylock Glass. Good morning. Good morning to you, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, very well. I've got my hot tea here uh, to soothe my throat, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to get right into a discussion of this new album, because yep. uh, for me, um, it is one of the most exciting things I've heard uh, this year. It's got an exciting feel to it. It's got life. It's got legs, as they say. Um, All right. <laughs> but uh, I wonder if you could tell me, uh, the album is Nun Tevuta. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, it means don't look back. Uh, what's the, yes. What is the significance of, of don't look back? Okay. So don't look back. Uh, it's Neapolitan dialect. Um, 
So not Italian, it's somebody that's trying to understand it in Italian. <laughs> uh, so it, it, the album talks about, and, and Notre Dame, the song specifically talks about the uh, the new immigration wave uh, that is happening now from from Southern Europe. And it's not only to America. It's, um, you know, people go from Spain, Italy, Greece, uh, moving to the UK, to Germany, and, uh, you know, up to Northern Europe and, you know, and across the pond as well. Because the uh, the situation down there is uh, it's quite hopeless for young people, um, and, and and it's not only uh, the fact that you know people uh, uh, don't have the um, prospect of any jobs, uh, but it's also you know a lot of corruption and and a lot of nepotism, and uh, so even if even if you are highly educated, you know there there might not be a chance for you anyway uh, to to get that one position. So, no, we're we're, uh, yeah. we're looking at the news this week, and certainly the Mediterranean is in uh, Greece is in trouble. Um, is yeah. this is no, this something that yeah. you could is this something that you would say um, you've seen coming for a while? Well, uh, yes, <laughs> I mean uh, absolutely uh, because. I mean, in, in, if, if I take Italy, for example, uh, where my, where my wife is from, and she's, uh, Carmen Marcia could be one of the lead singers in the band. Uh, there, there, there's so much corruption in, in, in the, um, in, 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 in the government and, uh, uh, you know, favors here and there and money just disappearing. And, uh, so, yeah, there, it's, it's been coming for, for, for a long time, so. Absolutely. So, in some ways, immigrating to somewhere new, whether it's the United States or elsewhere, is yeah. one of the only prospects that stands any real chance of of producing a better life. Pretty much, you know. And and we, I'm, we, what we are talking about is like you know, a young generation that had absolutely nothing to do with the creation of the. Uh, <clears throat> of all the economic situation in the first place, you know, they they grew up, they got an education, uh, you know, was looking for you know to start their lives, but there's there's not a lot of possibilities to start lives anywhere, you know. And to take for example, I was just reading, um, I was just uh, seeing a news um, program uh, about uh, villages in Spain that are completely empty of young people. There's like no one left. There's only old old people. Hmm. And and it's uh, it's you know virtual ghost cities, and it's uh, it's sad to see. Yeah, yeah. It, I think yeah. I think it's it's something that many of our great grandparents would relate to. I mean, certainly in Absolutely. the in the early twentieth century, uh, you had waves and waves of Italian. Irish, Jewish, uh, Eastern European immigrants, uh, and, and they're just you know washing up on the shore. Uh, and yeah. I'm imagining that many towns must have felt the same way, with very few young people left in them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a funny thing too, you know. We, we've we've gotten just enough, just uh, enough decades past those yeah. times that we've forgotten uh, what yeah. that sort of um, I guess desperation feels like as as a people. Absolutely, because I mean, it's been at least you know forty years of prosperity in 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 Europe, and 
the uh, you know the, necess- the necessity for for emigrating uh, you know just in order to uh, create a decent life you know hasn't been there, and uh, now it's uh, becoming uh, more and more a reality over there. So, so <laughs> actually, actually, I, I we just received a, a review in in uh, the UK magazine uh, F Roots. Um, and uh, they were writing about the fact that it's uh, what what we are writing about uh, makes it. Uh, uh, what did they say? Uh, they, they they were talking about the uh, the, um, the the all, all the all the boats coming from uh, from Syria and Africa and they leased over to uh, Lampedusa in in Italy and Greece with uh, uh, people uh, people escaping. Uh, the poverty in 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 Africa, and uh, they're walking right into the poverty of Southern Europe instead. That's troubling. That's troubling. Yeah. When the places that used to be thought of as refuge um, mm-hmm. are, are no better, uh, at least for for that for the you know, economic opportunities. Now, yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I think they you know they they they're being peddled an image of you know you come to Europe everything is going to be fine and then they they arrive in in uh, southern Italy for example which you know a lot of the these uh, these immigrants are arriving and uh, the situation there is not it's not great you know there's there's absolutely no jobs and you end up in uh, uh, in, in, in an immigration camp instead, you know, with no, no real prospect of doing anything. And then you go into uh, virtual slave labor out on the fields.
Nonno vuoi tuore una caipo crisia, stanno stalgia cammalatia, sta capa mia vuovula via, stanno stalgia cammalatia, nonno vuoi tuore una caipo crisia, stanno stalgia cammalatia, nonno vuoi tuore una caipo crisia, stanno stalgia cammalatia, nonno vuoi tuore una caipo Nostalgia da maladia, sta cava mia vola via, sta nostalgia da maladia, quando vuoi tuore da caipo crisia, sta nostalgia da maladia, sta cava mia vola via. Fuia, fuia, nena onda in terra, figlio coraggio e nutta rutà, fuia, fuia, It's um, it is not only the music of you know, the folk music of Italy. It's it seems to be globally that folk music seems to capture these struggles extremely well. What what is it about your your blend of Southern Italian folk that does such a good job voicing these these sentiments? Well, we on on this album we, we took uh, a, a particular. Uh, interest in in mixing Mediterranean cultures not so, in into the uh, to the Italian sound. Uh, so half half of the album is uh, our own songs, our own original songs, and half of it are traditional music from uh, from the region of Basilicata, which we can talk a little bit more later. But uh, we uh, we we definitely took the. Um, uh, it, it, it was important for us to to blend in like all these influences that um, immigration actually has brought a lot of different people into southern Italy, uh, conflicts and wars and and just trade. You know, so the uh, if you would do a DNA analysis of the people living there, you know, you would probably find uh, everything from from Jewish, Turkish, Albanian, uh, uh, Arab. Uh, I mean, it will be a shimon, oh, probably some Viking blood too. Uh, anyway, well, there, there are a lot of like Norman uh, cities down there. 
And uh, so it's a huge mix of, of people and all that influenced the music. And we wanted to bring that out uh, and and try to uh, have some Greek influences in one song, have some Turkish influences in one song, and, you know, make it a... Uh, make it more of a, a, a portrait of of the people down there. So there is um, there is a musical genome project right there in in yeah. this album. <laughs> I can tell you, you that, that. Yeah. it's it's you can you can you can taste it. I mean, you can taste flavors of of North Africa. You can taste flavors yeah. of, of of Greece. Um, you can almost. You can almost smell, you know, the 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 on the breezes, the different spices, the different. Um, I mean, it, it it's a it's a transportive uh, album, yeah. um, and I think if I would just close my eyes, uh, maybe not this week since it's been kind of cool out, but I could imagine myself in a Mediterranean place. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, we had mentioned before, you know, before you know, I hit record. We we're talking a little bit about the Tarantella. The dance, and mm-hmm. and you're describing that it's it's a um, a mesmerizing dance, uh, and yeah. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how uh, that fits in musically, and how you fit the dance in with your performance. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so the tantella. I mean, there there's many ver- ver- versions of the tantella. Um, you know, depending on what. Uh, uh, where in uh, Italy you are, and uh, in 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 the very south, uh, they, they have something called uh, pizzica, uh, which is uh, re- which was very much a trance music. Um, you know, it, it went back to this legend of um, uh, workers on the field getting bitten by this uh, this tarantula, and uh, they got uh, possessed. Or uh, poisoned by it, and then they brought in all these musicians uh, to to play around this person, and uh, you know they, this person had to dance the poison out. So it was very much trance music, uh, and like in the in the south, there's a lot of magic, uh, magical beliefs, and or there was, and you know it was very much like a farmer's culture down there, and uh, and all that disappeared. Uh, pretty much. And in the 70s, uh, Italy, just like everywhere else, uh, was a leftist movement and they took to the folk music and then they brought the folk music back. And, I mean, you can see that in the UK, you can see it in Ireland, Scandinavia, everywhere, right? And it happened in Italy too. And uh, with it uh, came uh, the pizzica and the the dances, they, they came back very, very strong. And today there's actually a uh, a very live folk movement in in Italy, and for us, uh, in in our show, we we definitely uh, uh, we we normally have like the two uh, the two uh, lead singers. They perform some of the dances, and sometimes we also have a dancer called Ornella Iorio uh, with us as well. And that's pretty much it. Well, I as I as I said, I did some research, and mm-hmm. uh, there is some evidence apparently to suggest to suggest that it actually goes back to um, 
oh, pre yeah. pre Christian days that there were oh. uh, cults of of Dionysus. For, for, for sure, for sure, yeah. Okay, I didn't I didn't realize you want to go that far. Back. Oh, I'll go back to the beginning <laughs> of time. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, uh, the, the the part of Italy was part of the Magna Grecia, right? So the the larger Greece and. Uh, and uh, absolutely, there's definitely similarities to uh, Guinness' uh, uh, cult and, uh, and trans dances. And this actually down in Puglia, uh, in Salento, there's this cave uh, where I think it's like uh, pictured one of the first women with a tambourine. Uh, and then that was, I, I actually, I don't remember how old it is, but it's, you know, several thousand years old. So. Hmm. so it is quite possible that somehow uh, this is one of those things that has been kept alive, even though it's undergone some changes. But, yeah, uh, but in, possible, yeah, yeah. it's an, it's perhaps uh, one of the oldest known dances in the world. Yeah. Um, so that's I, I think that's that's very fascinating. Um, it is. It is fascinating. <laughs> In the early days of, of the you know, migrations from Europe to the United States, um, there are plenty of people who brought the folk music with them. But I'm guessing yeah. that there were at least a couple generations who tried to sort of distance themselves from the old country mm-hmm. and their ways. I mean, it was, it was common, you know, in, in yeah. all cultures to sort of, we're Ameri- in America now, we're going to distance ourselves. Um, Indeed. But uh, that's not the case today. In fact... Uh, many of the younger people in various cultures seem to be looking for a sense of identity that folk music gives them. Who do you see uh, as your biggest fans and, and who follows what you're doing? Is it the older generations or is it the younger? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it really is a mix. Uh, sometimes we have some old people coming out to the concerts and, uh, you know, they might be first first generation or second generation and uh, you know we I sometimes we, we I remember vividly this this one time we played a regatta bar we had this old lady she was like 80 or something like that and she was pretty much singing with all the songs and uh, and she was crying which was pretty, pretty amazing and uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 very difficult to pinpoint our audience. Uh, we definitely have like a lot of general like uh, world music fans, and uh, and we we do have a lot of immigrants, like you know, from from Europe uh, and and also from from Brazil and uh, Argentine and etc. Et that that come to the shows and they just like love the, the sound of the music. When it comes to Italians, like young Italians. Uh, that that's been here for a while, you know. Um, uh, you know, for, for generations, we have not really managed to, to catch them because they just like are not aware that this is, you know, this is the um, the, the the folk music of uh, of their ancestors. And uh, I mean, I, I think it's 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 getting more it's getting more famous now thanks to some bands that you know like us and, and some other bands that has, you know, tried to, try to put it more like on the world map. Um, but um, we, we get a lot of, uh, we get a lot of people that coming directly from Italy, you know, that comes here to work or, or study that come to the concerts too, because they, they're more familiar with it. With it so. Huh. Yeah. I, I guess when, uh, I guess when the younger people realize 
that it's it's pretty darn cool and pretty darn hip. Yeah. Then they'll they'll start showing up. Um, now. Yeah, I, I, I think you know it, it's it's funny that a lot of the like, Italian Americans here, uh, I don't think that they are, are so aware of you know uh, how how Middle Eastern the culture is in in uh, in uh, in South of Italy, and uh, because they grew up on some other kind of idea of what Italy is. Hmm. Well, tell, and, uh, tell us about that. Let's yeah. let's pause and talk about that because you said uh, that you you would tell us a little bit about the the specific you know uh, areas. I think now is a great time. Describe southern Italy for us. What what are the, yeah. what distinguishes it? Well, I'm I'm going to describe uh, uh, the region of Basilicata uh, because that's the one that I'm more more familiar with because that's where my uh, my wife is from and uh, where we had all her relatives and uh, so. Uh, Basilicata is nestled in between uh, Puglia, Calabria, and Campania, which so it's kind of like in the middle of the south. Uh, it touches touches water on a, on a couple of places, and, but it's very much like up in the mountains. Uh, this region was pretty much until the 60s, like in the Middle Ages, uh, and and yet today, you know, you 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 you'll be amazed when you walk around there. Uh, it's you, you know. You still see shepherds. You still see donkeys, um, and 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 it's very rural. Uh, it is probably like one of the regions that has not been touched by organized crime so much. They, they, there's no uh, there's no tradition of it, so it, it's it's very very nice in that sense uh, for people that live there. You know, because if you live in Puglia or Calabria or Campania. Um, and you're a business owner, for example, you have to deal with that a lot. Um, it's very, very, very wild, very mountainous. Um, and uh, the food is very, uh, uh, very down to earth. Um, my, my wife used to say it's, it's a poor farmer's meal, but it's awesome. Um <laughs> uh, and uh, they grow a wine called Alianico de Vultura, uh, which is, dates back to the old Greeks. Um, and uh, the population uh, is very, very much made up. Um, I mean, it's probably probably a lot of Greek uh, heritage in it, uh, but it's also part of something called the. Uh, uh, the way the road of the Arabs. Uh, so in in some some villages, for example, uh, like uh, Tricarico, they uh, the dialect has a lot of Arabic uh, Arabic in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, there's a bunch of Norman villages, and the Norman um, so has nothing to do with France really, like the Normans uh, that you would think, but it's uh, it was. Probably uh, descendants of Vikings, um, so you know people from Norway, Sweden, Denmark uh, that came down and uh, they established uh, a bunch of uh, cities in there. So it's a it's a big mix of people. Um, but for example, uh, there's this beautiful beautiful city called Matera um, that is actually going to be the uh, the World Heritage City, uh, Culture City, in 2019. And it's, 
it's half half of the city is uh, is caves, and then facades built in front of the caves. Uh, it it looks completely prehistoric, um, and actually, <laughs> Mel Gibson used it uh, in Passion of Christ uh, to uh, to portray uh, Jerusalem, hmm. uh, because that's. That's what it looks like when you walk in. There. You, if you would picture like you know the oldest city um, in your mind, like in, you know Jerusalem, Israel, whatever, um, and that's basically what you're walking into. Well, I want to go. It's, it's, it's pretty pretty fascinating. I definitely want to go. Yeah. Um. So, weather-wise, bit warmer than oh. New England, right? Yes. <laughs> Definitely warmer than New England, uh, but but you know it, it can definitely snow too in in, in the winter uh, because it's, uh, the elevation is pretty high. So, so yeah. it would not be a surprise then that if uh, technology had not didn't really arrive until the seventies, um, yeah, it would be well, sixties, sixties, fifty sixties. No, but the yeah. the tra- the oral tradition, the tradition of having live music um, mm-hmm. as, as a regular part of your life, that yeah. would have been, that's something that wasn't forgotten, that, that continued. Absolutely, absolutely not. And uh, I, I guess, you know, that's why, for example, Basso de Cata is, is very much like, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a treasure though in, in, uh, in, in folk traditions. And, uh, and also because it was not, you know, like one of the popular tourist attraction regions, right? Uh, like, for example, like, you know, the, uh, the multi-coast in Campania. So it was not developed that much, and it was pretty much untouched, and uh, and nobody was so interested in going in there looking at the folklore. So I think that like, we are actually one of the first groups that has dived into uh, some of the old field recordings that were done uh, by uh, by FMC just in the fifties, and you know pulled out a lot of traditional music from there, and arranged it you know in a more modern contemporary setting. Mm-hmm. So, and you have done a lot of the arrangement on this album, Nun yeah, Davuta. Together, what 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 was to, what were you to, looking together for? with Carmen? Yeah, together with Carmen. I should point out. Sure, sure. Um, what were you looking for when you were when you were arranging this album? What what were you going for sound wise? Well, sound like you definitely want to have a more contemporary sound. Uh, we, you know, like when, when, when we play this music acoustically in a room, it's very loud. It's very, in, very, very like in your face. Uh, and, you know, you, the tambourine is, you know, it's very loud. Like, you know, you hear this like something dum, 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 constantly. And we wanted to bring that out, uh, in the recording, you know. So, you know, when you put the CD on, uh, it has to move you, you know. Um, so we were looking to, we were looking for that uh, in, in the recording, but also we were looking to um, uh, to come up with interesting interesting points of view, looking at the music because sometimes with the traditional music we only found like a lady singing, then maybe somebody clapping hands or like something that had a, like a, a friction drum or something like that in the background, and so we really had to you know. Imagine a larger ensemble performing this, uh, 
And but sometimes we also want to like strip it down, kind of to uh, uh, to to get as close to the field recording as possible. But uh, you know, do it as professional mus- musicians rather than uh, an amateur sitting in the kitchen singing. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, that that would explain, I think, a little bit of why I'd found it to be so um, present, so live, because it does have the feeling of being of you being in the middle of it, rather than mm. something that's happening in the background. And I think that that tambourine, as you mentioned, that that actually I, I caught that when I listened to. I think it's the song that plays uh, that loads when you go to your website. Um, it is. It's a driving. Um, insistent yeah. tambourine, yeah. and it makes you feel yeah. like you're yeah. there. Yeah, so that's that. I, I'm not surprised to hear that that was a, a a conscious choice. Yeah, it's it's known as the. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's known, but I, I heard many people referring to it as the heartbeat of uh, of uh, folk folk music in the south, uh, the, that tambourine, and uh, it's also uh, they, they, there's a lot of uh, interesting instruments. Uh, that are down there that maybe like people don't know about, you know. So, but when people talk about tambourines here, like you know, they picture like you know a singer, you know, like uh, slapping the tambourine against her leg or something like that, you know. <laughs> but but down there, it's uh, it's a completely. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a huge culture of, of playing the tambourine, and you when you see some of these uh, tambourines, uh, like there, they're amazing. And I mean, you you find that kind of like all through the Middle East as well, you know, with the people playing the rick, uh, and so so it's not uh, it's not only in uh, uh, in, in Italy that that uh, tradition is present, and we also have uh, castanets, uh, the specific uh, castanet that's a little drier in the sound than the, the Spanish castanet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a ten-string guitar that I play called the Guitarra Patente, um, and uh, it's very much like a, just just like a strumming guitar. And you know, like I, I'm trying to be a little bit more fancy with it. <laughs> um, uh, well, of course, like the, the whole mandolin family. Um, there's a mandola present on our album, which is like the, the little bigger uh, form of the mandolin. Uh, we brought in the oud from the Middle East. We uh, brought in the dumbek from the Middle East, um, and the accordion, of course. Uh, even though, like uh, our accordion, said he doesn't play the traditional accordion from down there. Uh, the traditional accordion from down there is, uh, is something called the organetto, which is like a button uh, accordion. Uh, Be smaller, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's a little smaller. Uh, but we do have a, tr- a traditional bagpipe on the album uh, called Samponia, and it's <laughs> pretty amazing actually. It's it's basically the body of a whole goat turned inside out. The, the, the skin, not yeah, the body itself. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and then it has, and, a, has a reed, right? It has one reed, right? Or is it more? Uh, you know what? Uh, no, I think it's, it's, it's there's two chanters. Um. And in every chanter, there's a weed. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Don't listen to me, people. Listen. Don't listen to me. But uh, it's got a <laughs> it's got a very distinct sound, though. It's it's um, yeah. It it lends a certain exoticness to it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
and uh, we have uh, something called the charamella, which is also a reed instrument. Uh, and uh, the, one, one of the the guys in the band, uh, Dan Myers, even though he sounds very Irish, his, his uh, grandma's actually from Calabria. Uh, his grandpa's <laughs> actually from Calabria, Calabria in Italy. Um, he plays in, in a whole. I mean, he plays so many instruments on the album. It's uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Basically, anything you can blow or hit, you know, blow into or hit, you know, he uh, is makes a uh, makes his presence in, on the album, <laughs> courtesy of Dan. <laughs> so this is a very big sound. I mean, that's what I want to impress upon people. Um, yeah, is that when you listen to this, and and of course we'll play a, a couple of songs from this new album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, it's a very full sound. It, it, you feel like yeah. you are uh, in the middle of of um, of of an of, a, of an, an extravaganza. Um, mm-hmm. So it's 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 amazing sound. Um, do you all when you play? Does the entire uh, group play? I mean, you've got about uh, what like eight nine folks. Mm-hmm. We we are usually eight. Uh, we uh, we were just in Chicago now in, in Columbus, and then we were uh, we uh, downsized the group uh, to six, uh, no seven. But no, we we, we usually uh, a pretty big group, and uh, sometimes we even have some more people coming on stage. So hmm. uh, sometimes it's uh, ten ten people. So note to people who might be thinking about coming out to see Newpoli, you get your money's worth. Yep. <laughs> yes, you may be. Sp- I don't know how much you you know uh, ticket yeah. prices are going, for, but you're getting your money's worth out of this band. Yeah, um, we, we we don't get paid, but <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let no, me ask do. you this: you've got to, yeah. you've got some shows coming up uh, in 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 the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have any out here in Western Mass. What's what's the closest show you've got to us? Do you have any in Central Massachusetts or? No, the closest show will be uh, in in September. We're going to be at Johnny D's in Somerville. Okay, I know Johnny um, D's. Well, you know that's not yeah. too far. You jump on Route Two and you're there in in two and a half hours. So yeah. well, well <laughs> worth <nothing>. it. <laughs> and and you know we're going to bring you out here. I'm not sure when, but we're going to find a way. Um, yeah, no, we love it. And you're going to be in Italy this summer too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, is that yeah. A, is that work and it's business and pleasure? I take it. Well, yes, but both. Yeah, we we uh, we are playing a uh, uh, few shows um, uh, down in Mosul, Calabria, and in, in, in Tuscany, and uh, and uh, the rest of the uh, the country. Uh, well, we, we're probably going to try to uh, to meet with some folk musicians there, and as well, and uh, you know, just uh, some uh, contract building, and uh, you know, maybe for some future projects, uh, and meet some instrument makers too. And, that's always a big, big, yeah, big part of a folk musician's life, you know, instrument makers. <laughs> of course, you, you, need, you, need, you need something specific, you know, that only a few people make. So, well, and then and then you can write it off in your taxes because it's a necessary that's travel. Right. There you go. Yeah. Now this album, it's uh, it's available now. It's been available for about a month now. Noon Tevuta. Uh, where mm-hmm. can people find it? Uh, you can find it on iTunes, uh, Amazon. Uh, and uh, cdbaby.com. We have it all, all over the place. There. And and we can get to links uh, from from your website, I'm sure, right to the, to those places. Indeed. Now Indeed. the website, I have to say, and and I want to I want to praise you for this. Um, all right. While your music may stretch back 
you know, a couple thousand years in the dance. Yeah. Um, the website is state of the art. All right. <laughs> it's well it's slick. You know, everything works, everything is exactly where you'd think it would be, and it's very attractive. It has lots of videos. Um in fact mm-hmm. I would say that anyone who wants to know more about any of these these subjects, these topics, yeah. uh, can go and listen to some videos that explain quite a bit. Uh, about yeah. the origins of this. I mean, we've barely scratched the surface. You can find a, a lot more by going to the website and selecting videos, and, uh, mm-hmm. and there's a lot to learn there. So I, I have to I have to say thanks for that great website. That made it very easy oh, to do you. my research. Yeah. All right, so we can't... Uh, we'll have to go to Somerville, Somerville in September to see you live yeah. unless we can get you here um, sometime this fall into the Berkshires. And when you do, yeah. uh, I guarantee you, uh, you'll have a warm welcome here. Well, um, I guess uh, that's about it. I will play mm-hmm. a couple of tunes. Is there any tune from that album that you really would love me to play? What's your favorite? Uh, well, my favorite tunes are, for sure, Nontibota, uh, uh, Bazaar, and Shurya Ramsha. Shurya Ramsha, I'm extra proud of. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a beautiful tune. All right, Bjorn, I want to say thank you so much for being on Indecent Exposure and have great travels this summer. Thank you so much, Jason. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
listening to that music and after listening to Bjorn describe uh, the roots of it, where it comes from, what, what, what's, the, what's the source, the raw material of it, I think that you can really sense the, the richness of, of history, of culture, of, of musical um, influences. And, and I'm not kidding. When I listen to it, uh, I feel like I'm transported. And I, th- I think you do too. You probably will too. I think... Um, I think we need to transport Newpoli here to the Berkshires so that they can they can uh, put on a show for us. Uh, I can guarantee them, I think I probably already did guarantee them, that they would be well-received. So perhaps I will launch a campaign to bring them out here. If you have any thoughts on where a great venue to see a band like this would be, uh, you know, a place where you can move around, you know, you can, you can move to the music, uh, let us know. Uh, hit the Contact Us button or... Um, or just send me an email, uh, or leave a comment. Now, I played, uh, sliding into that interview, I played uh, Ala Salantina, which uh, I was tempted to play the whole song, um, but I really want you to go to their website, and there's a link in the show notes, and, uh, and check it out, because it's the song that loads when you get to their homepage, loads automatically, which is not my favorite thing in the world. I would prefer a choice. But if you're going to have anything load automatically, that's the one it ought to be. Also, uh, per Bjorn's suggestion, I played I played Nun Tevuta, um, sort of in the middle of the interview, and we rounded things out with, and I'm going to butcher this name probably, Shur Daranche, uh, which is a lovely, very romantic-sounding song. Um and that's uh, that's pretty much it. I could play lots and lots more of them, uh, but then, but then, well, then I wouldn't have anything for the next time. So what we're going to do is we are going to, as as always, put lots of information in the show notes. And for those of you who are wondering, what are we talking about when we say show notes? If you go to graylockglass.com and click on the title of this episode, which is Indecent Exposure, 
episode number five, I think. Um, you will be taken to a web page that has all the information that I mentioned in the show. So do check that out and, and you can find the link to their, their page. Uh, for now, let's, uh, let's get to that interview with Paula Bradley of Moonshine Holler because we had such a good conversation as I, as I imply on this show. We talked for about 20 minutes before I even thought to hit record. It was like having a, an old bud uh, that I haven't heard from in a while. And she and her husband are going to be playing in quite a few spots in the Berkshires this summer. So make sure you check out the upcoming shows that I've got listed in those show notes and make sure you hit, you hit one of those because quite a few of them are free. And so you've got really no excuse not to see this fantastic act. All right, let's go to that interview with Paula Bradley of Moonshine Holler. Paula Bradley, it is so good to have you here on Indecent Exposure. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be had. <laughs> it's great to You've to, been had on Indecent on Exposure. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, you know, normally we I, I try to, you know, pretend that we haven't been chatting up a storm before before the show begins. Uh, but uh, we've basically had you in our virtual green room uh, for the last uh, 20 minutes. And we have talking been talking about small time life, the Internet, uh, music, farming, you name it. I don't know if there's anything left to talk about but music, right? <laughs> I bet we'll find something, but you're right. It's been, uh, it's, we've had a, a wonderful chat so far, and the snacks in the green room were awesome, by the way. You know, we, you know, we have a, we have a chef do that. Uh, he always whips up something <laughs> nice. So tell us about Moonshine Holler first. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from, and uh, and uh, that uh, hunk of a man you've got playing with you. <laughs> well, that hunk of a man I've got playing with you is my husband. And uh, we have been living in Tiringham in the Berkshires since 1998. But before that, uh, we lived in Cincinnati uh, for a little while. I'm originally from West Virginia. He's from New York, from Long Island. Um, And we both have uh, spent most of our adult lives playing and listening to and uh, experiencing all things having to do with what's called old-time music, which is really music that's pre-bluegrass. It's recorded string band music from the 1930s, late 1920s, 1930s, maybe a little bit into the 40s. Um, And we met each other through that love of music, through going to festivals and meeting many mutual friends, and married here in the Berkshires in 2001. Um, And about that time... Uh, we both had played with other bands. We we said, hey, look at us. Here we are, you know, together. And we both play music. What if we did it together? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, drew upon our experiences with our other bands. And between us, play a lot of different instruments and formed a duet and started playing at places like the Berkshire Harvest Festival, you know, at, um, at the Berkshire Botanical Gardens. And... Um, honestly didn't know you know never really set out to didn't have an a road map you know we just knew we wanted to play music
also, we wanted to be part of our community. We, you know, I mentioned we had moved here in 98. Um, we really started playing out around 2001, and part of it was that here we were, these musicians, and we traveled far and wide, um, you know, both with different bands. You know, I've done a number of freelance projects over the years, but we had no... Uh, nobody, we don't know our neighbors, we don't have children in the schools, and, you know, we live somewhat remotely, and we said, how are we going to be a part of our community, you know, when we don't have children to, you know, we don't interact with parents, and um, how are we going to contribute? And we decided that playing the kind of music that we play in our community was very important to us, um, and letting people know who we were and what we were about. So that's what sort of started it. And we would we just did sort of things for fun, you know, that would that where we would get asked or we would sort of promote ourselves and say, Hey, we'd love to come play at your event and that was in two thousand one. Now it's twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. <laughs> and um we're still we're still at it. And, you know, our I'd like to say that our reputation has grown and our the, the number of events we've done has grown and um, we've just met so many wonderful people, and a lot of the performances we do in the Berkshires are repeat performances, and we just really enjoy it. And our goal to get better known in our community and meet our neighbors through music has been accomplished, and um, we we love it, and we keep doing it until such time when we can't. <laughs> Well, I so think how's that for a little nutshell. I think uh, I think you've you've maybe given that speech before. You sound really well practiced at it. Um, <laughs> the, the 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 truth of it is though that this music, um, this you said pre bluegrass, it's uh, it's it's roots music. I think is is one of the ways you can look at it. Um, sure. It does bring people together. What about it makes makes it such a, a social genre? Well, you know. I think it, of course, it started as social music, right? I mean, it, it's music from, I mean, it, at its origins, you know, before there was any recorded music, people were sitting around playing music together and, and making their own parties. Um, and musicians were part of those parties. They There wasn't a, you know, there wasn't a uh, an iPod. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even a record player. Um, but I think acoustic music, you know, especially, you know, just the, just people with instruments with sort of nothing in between them, um, with, you know, without the electronics, um, that, that just speaks to people as something, I don't want to use the word primal, but, um, certainly I think that's part of it. And, um, and there's a joy there, there definitely is a joy to the music that we play. Because it was party music. It was, you know, music for the dance, music for the corn shucking, music for the barn raising. Um, and so it's not music that causes one to reflect. There's certainly value in that kind of music, too. But this is music that just sort of tries to tap into joy or tell a story sometimes, um, you know, if it's valid. But mostly, I think, just uh, facilitates people having fun. <laughs> Yeah, I agree, and 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 moving. I mean, you, you, it's very hard to sit still uh, when you're listening to, to to your music. It's it's something is tapping. It's either going to be your your fingers on the desk, or or uh, you know, if you're just listening, like I I have been, um, or your your heel kind of thumping as you're mm-hmm. as I'm trying to pick out which songs I want to play. Um, it's uh, it's kind of hard. My my kids they gravitate 
you know, they know daddy's supposed to be working here, but they, they come and they gravitate and they start looking. And if you've got a video, which you do, um, it, uh, it's not as if, it's not as if, um, it's not as if people haven't heard it before, but every time you see it live, it feels fresh and you've been doing it for, you know, you know, you said quite a, quite a time. You, it's, it's been your career. Yeah. What, um, what about it is, you know, is, is fresh, is new to you every time you, you, you break out your, your, your instruments? Well, I got to tell you, <clears throat> the one thing is, is there, you know, both of us have, uh, we share, I mean, a, a vast music library. Um, you know, I mean, we own a lot of music <laughs> in all of its various uh, shapes and sizes. But just even in old time music, we can put, you know, our iPod on and put it on shuffle and still hear things we never heard before. Um, that's how much music we have. And so there's always there's always something new to learn there's or some new spin on it. And um, I have to say, we, we, we love our instruments. I mean, both of us love to play the banjo. We just really love the sound of it. We love the feel of it. Um, and, you know, when we hear something, we say, oh, that would be great. You know, and banjo and guitar, that would be great, you know, with harmonica. I mean, it's we just are always hearing things that appeals to us. And I guess it's because, of course, it's the music that we love. So, um, but it's it's amazing after all this time that we can still hear things that we've never heard before and still be surprised. And so that keeps us wanting to uh, learn new songs, you know, um, and when we play something new and the audience reacts to it, um, as we hope they will, you know, they find it very, either that it's timely or, you know, oh, they got a big kick out of that. You know, that's very rewarding. It shows that we're, we're doing what we, what we hoped we would do. Now there's, there's a a certain simplicity uh, to the, to the lyrics, to the, to the stories that are told. They're things that we can relate to. And sometimes humorous uh, things too. Oh yes, humor is a big part of of what we do, and and um, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's that's one thing that my husband is actually a big proponent of, um, because there are different people relate to different aspects of the music, and there certainly can be some very serious. Um, there, you know, we know some very serious songs. Um, sad. There's a lot of sad. There's a whole subgenre of murder ballads which we don't normally perform <laughs> because we, you know, maybe we don't, it's not that we don't like them, but he really feels that humor, the humorous songs are sometimes overlooked for the more serious songs and he doesn't want them to be lost. Um, and so he, that's kind of his personal crusade is to keep the humor in the music. <laughs> well, I love it. He, he does a good job. I um and and you know anybody who sees any of these 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 photos that you've got available, uh, you can see the twinkle in his the gleam in his eye even across the computer screen. I I would not uh, I would not be surprised if he's got a joke in his back pocket at any given moment. <laughs> uh, he's uh he comes from Long Island. You come from West Virginia. Um, whereabouts in West Virginia? Well, I was born in Huntington, um, which is along the Ohio River. Um, so that's what Western West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a friend who's actually not who's from I think right around there. Uh, 
but uh, go on. But, uh, but I, I haven't. I mean, my family left West Virginia in, in the early 60s. Um, but um, and I still have a lot of relatives there. But I haven't, I haven't lived in West Virginia for many, many years. But my, my mother and my father and both sets of grandparents were all from West Virginia. So, I mean, I definitely identify with it. And one story I do tell is that my grandmother, you know, when I started playing this music, which was basically, I mean, I listened to it when I was in high school or junior high school, but I didn't really start playing it on an instrument with any seriousness until college. And um, my grandmother was kind of horrified. <laughs> she was just like, you know, we all work so hard to sort of leave the, you know, to her, <laughs> hillbilly is pejorative. And so she just couldn't understand how I would want to be associated with anything that smacked of hillbilly. Um, and, you know, I sort of had the opposite reaction. You know, I just loved all things, quote, unquote, hillbilly. Um, and this just was a, a conundrum for her. She just couldn't, she couldn't understand it. And she thought it was weird. Well, my wife is from Tennessee. And, um, and even though, you know, I've only spent, oh, I don't know, I probably lived there for maybe five or six years total. Um, it does seem like at various times the house feels pretty Southern. Uh, it's a... <laughs> It's uh you know we we often when we cook together we sometimes have uh, Mason Dixon breakfasts for example where ah. you know she'll do uh, she'll do grits and I'll do you know bagels with a sun dried tomato schmear um, <laughs> and uh and, you know, you'll find uh you know what she you you know that people eat fiddleheads right Oh, of course. My right husband here. loves fiddleheads. loves fiddleheads. Well, you know down south they do they fry up okra with with cornmeal. And she took one look at a fiddlehead and said, ah, I know exactly what to do with that. Uh, and by gum, fiddleheads fried up like like their okra. Because the fiddleheads are kind of slimy too, like okra is. Uh, but you use the cornmeal and a couple of spices and boom, you have yourself a Mason Dixon treat. Um, so I encourage people to give that a, a try. Look up a, ne- a recipe for um, you know okra. Um, and then next spring, when the fiddleheads are back, cook them up that way. Um, but uh, what's interesting is that her parents, both of them, came from um, very um, sort of stereotypical uh, backgrounds. You know, uh, she, my, my wife says that it's hard to know because uh, people didn't keep records of, you know, where their families were from. They knew it's, you know, Scotch, Irish. Uh, she says that, you know, that her family just rose up out of the red clay of Tennessee. And, um, and her parents really did their best to leave that life behind. And when she started listening to Hank Williams, it was the same thing. What do you want to listen to that for? Right. You know, we we you know, we're we're trying to leave that sort of uh person persona behind. Right. Um, so it's exactly. it's a funny thing that, you know, we would rediscover, you know, a generation would discover it anew now. And maybe because we didn't live the hard scrabble life, it's easier to, you know, relate to it just as the music that it is without the the other parts that that maybe are associated oh, with that. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah, if you weren't living it, then uh, or if you live it, you want to forget as much as you can about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, huh. Exactly. But um, yeah, we we are constantly 
surprised, not surprised, but um, delighted, I think is, the, is probably the better word, at how, you know, here we are playing what is essentially a Southern music um, for all intents and purposes um, without getting too scholarly about the whole thing. This is music from the Southern Appalachians, basically. Um, and here we are in Massachusetts, and, you know, we're basically traveling around New England playing this Southern music, not being Southerners ourselves, really. I mean, you know, West right. Virginia, and kind of on the line there. Um, and, you know, but yet people still relate to it. They they still enjoy it. They can still appreciate it. Um, and, you know, I think that's been one of the surprises over the years. Um, you know, we never thought twice about it because it's what we do, but it's it's been really rewarding that that even in up here, you know, in 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 the north, that people still maybe because of the toe tapping and the humor and all those good things, they still uh, people do recognize and relate to uh, the kind of music that we play, and that's very gratifying. Of course, and I, I think for when you when you do get back in the studio, I'm looking for a uh, uh, a real you know heart wrenching ballad about the tech bubble of 97 <laughs> perhaps or maybe you know the real estate implosion of 2007 um well, i think- have to tell you i i and I, I tried to find it not not for this interview um but this is just an aside most of the music we do of course not original in fact n- none of it is original to us but when the, there was a tech bubble in 2002 i think right um and i had a real corporate job at the time and I did take a traditional old-time song and rewrote the words um, because I'd read an article in the Wall Street Journal. It was when everybody was investing. Um, you know, you would just go in and there was this article in the Wall Street Journal that somebody, like, people were taking advice from their barbers. I mean, everybody was just pouring money uh, into, you know, into the tech side, tech sectors. And then, of course, it all came crashing down. So I reworked an old-time ballad to talk about that. Um, and I probably did it on my work computer, so I've spent many, many hours trying to find those lyrics, which I can only some partly remember. Um, but I, this is, you know, this is about 2001, 2002, so I made a little, re- like, recording of it, and I sent it to some news organization, and they, they put it, like, on their internet. <laughs> they put it on their website. Uh, you know, they have, like, a little contest. You know, write a song about the tech bubble. And I did it. <laughs> well, and I, I, I got some airplay out of it. <laughs> well, I guess it's, 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 a, it's the Dust Bowl of our times. Um, so yeah, right. you've, got, uh, you've, got, um, you've got no album to sell. And, sure. and, and that's... that's Nice that people can still, though, hear um, Moonshine Holler. Um, where can they go to, to hear these songs? Well, they can go to our website, which is www.reverb, that's R-E-V-E-R-B nation.com slash Moonshine Holler. Um, we've been on WAMC's um, Dancing on the Air a couple times, and they furnished us with recordings. So some of those recordings are from those shows um and then we have gone into the studio we have recorded a few things um without looking at the list i I, i'm hard pressed to say which were recorded where but um we are we are gonna we have it in our sites to do a recording we're supposed to go into the studio in august and make 
a recording. We, because we both played in other bands, it's kind of funny, but we we both had, for many years, had recordings of our other bands that we... <laughs> we had a million seller, you know? We had a million in our seller. <laughs> and we would take them to gigs, and people would buy them. And so for a while, we just sort of had no pressing need for product. We had recordings that we could send to people who wanted to hear what we sounded like. And people who came to see us, we had these other recordings. And now, you know, with the Internet, recordings are becoming less and less of uh, of a necessity um, because we don't tour beyond New England, um, really. I mean, we have. We've done festivals. You know, we've been to Ireland and we've been to Minnesota. We, we occasionally do go out, but most of our gigs are are local and we're able to do that without having a, a recording you know we we just use our mp3s that we need um but it is coming it is coming we finally decided we need to sit down and do it well, we've just been so busy that's been part of the problem well it's uh yeah i, I hear you there's a, a lot of creative things that are unfortunately on the back burner and i can't stand that you, we put creative things in the back burner so often while well, we take care of administrative things that stinks but, uh, it really does. <laughs> you know, but you know, you've you've got uh, we we talked a lot about how you know the live experience is really what what we want to impress upon people. You've got some shows yeah. coming up. Tell me about uh, to the shows you've got. You've got one on July third at the Bidwell House Museum. Yes. Well, the Bidwell House. That's um, they have a thing every year, which we have been a part of for many years, called Township Day, and it celebrates Tiringham and Monterey were one one unit, um, one political union uh, unit at one point in time, and then they became two based on it, based on the church. There were two churches that were created, but um, they have this lovely day, um, which we've always enjoyed being a part of. Um, it's a very down home kind of a thing. There's a pie contest, a baking contest, um, which is quite popular, <laughs> and so we're going to play that um, probably sometime in the afternoon. I'm not really sure if it's going to be 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. Um, and that's, a, I believe that event is free to the public. Then um, on July 8th, we July is kind of our concert series month. We do a number of concert series, uh, both in the, in the Berkshires and beyond. Um, but on Wednesday, July 8th, we're up at the Windsor Lake um, concert series in North Adams. Those start at 7, and if you've not been there, um, it's really beautiful. The stage is set up right in front of the lake, so whoever you see perform, the lake is the backdrop. Um, and, you know, folks bring picnics, um, there's food for purchase, so that's really lovely. Um, you can also catch us at various farmer's markets, and then, uh, Wednesday, July 15th, we're in Lenox at the Lilac Park Concert Series, which is right there on the main drag in Lenox, another beautiful, beautiful setting. And um, both of those concert series, Windsor Lake and Lilac, um, we've done multiple times, so we're happy to be back. We always have a lot of fun. And we'll put these dates in the show notes. In, in addition, we'll put the uh, the link to your Facebook page or and your Reverb Nation page in the show notes as well. Uh, people can also see you um, and hear you in, a, in, another, in another band, Girl Howdy. Yes. Well, you know, around the same time Bill and I started playing as Moonshine Holler, 2001, um, through my old-time connection, because, again, you know, traveled around. When we first moved to the Berkshires, there was a woman I knew in Greenfield, a banjo player, 
Um, and she and I, you know, hooked up. Hey, I'm living in your neck of the woods. And she had started getting interested in early country, uh, what we call vintage country, you know, 50s country music. She was learning to play the steel guitar. And I knew a lot of that music, just because. <laughs> and we started getting together, and then she hooked me up with another woman who was a good guitar player and singer. And I actually started playing guitar in that band, and then we had a rehearsal one day, and I was noodling at the piano because it was at my house. And they said, wait, you play the piano? And I was like, yeah. You play country piano? It's like, well, not really. It sounds like you do. <laughs> and they said, try playing the piano. And I did, and I became the piano player. Um, and that band became Girl Howdy. It's a five-piece honky-tonk band, and we've uh, been playing since 2001. And we are going to be at the Clark uh, up in Williamstown. They have a, a free concert series on Tuesday nights, and we're going to be there Tuesday July 7th. It's been probably seven or eight years since we've played that series. We have played it before. Um, and it not only will I be there, but also our bass player is a Berkshire resident um, who lives up in Lanesboro. And um, Lillian Fraker, she'll be on the bass. And so we're really looking forward to that. And it's a whole different experience. That That is electric. You know, everybody's got amplifiers. Um, but it's still, you know... It, 1950s music was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially honky tongue. You know, somebody called me retro one time recently. You know, and they were like, "Oh, you're so retro," and I was like, "Wait, I am." I, I never think <laughs> of it that way because to me, George Jones, Patsy Cline, Hank Williams—that's timeless music. Um, yeah. And and I, it's music I dearly love, and so I realized, oh, I guess to many people that is really retro but it i just never it was it kind of shocked me you know well i i want people to i want people to come see you live and realize that it is of the moment all they have to do is get in the moment uh, whether it's yeah whether it's whether it's pre bluegrass or whether it's uh, honky tonk um, there's so many opportunities to, uh, to 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 really immerse yourself in, in great Americana. Um, Paula, I, uh, I I hope we get to talk again really soon because this has been fun, and uh, I'm gonna show I'm gonna try to show up on Tuesday night, and uh, maybe a couple other shows, and maybe we'll do a live um, Periscope interview, you oh, know, with the thing just just for just for hahas. Uh, everybody, uh, definitely check out the the tunes, check out the websites, and do uh, make some space in your calendar for for uh, Moonshine Holler, and uh, and Girl Howdy this summer, and uh, and thanks for being on Indecent Exposure. Well, thank you. All right, Paula, have a great summer and take care. Okay, I look forward to meeting you in person. You got it. Bye bye. All right, thanks so much. Bye bye. That was Paula Bradley of Moonshine Holler here on Indecent Exposure at the Greylock Glass, greylockglass.com. So we played, um, we kind of just trickled in a little bit of Snowdrop, which is the name of the song that took us into this interview. And, uh, and it's a fun tune. It's a light tune. And I think it's interesting that that uh, Paula made the point of saying that uh, they like they like the good time music, you know, the fun stuff. Uh, they do know some serious ballads, but they like to they like to keep it light, and that's you know 
Sometimes that's just what you need. And let's keep it fairly light. Uh, let's play one more song uh, from Moonshine Holler. Let's play Sugar Hill. us for the first time 
may be wondering what is going to happen now. What you're going to hear about is nothing short of a miracle. It's dramatically new, made possible only through years of research, invention, and innovation. Living stereo. I'm therefore going to ask anyone here who is not in tune with us to submit to a very simple process of control. I guess we've come to this segment again, haven't we? Controlled Controlled exposure. exposure. And what will we be exposing you to today? We will be exposing you to an old song that uh, kind of fits in with the sort of folkiness that we've got going on in this episode. It is an act that used to be known by the name El Gringo until they discovered uh, that somebody else had that name already. And they switched their name somewhere around 2006 to Comanchero. And Comanchero is still out there playing. They are a good time band uh, who does uh, does occasionally get out this way. And uh, I don't have any information about them. They released an album, I think, in 2011 or 2012. And, uh, and I hope to have them on for an interview real soon. But that's what we do here on Controlled Exposure. Uh, we just sort of shock and awe you with uh, music you didn't know was coming up. This is Alabama Moonstruck by Comanchero. And you've been dreaming 
Comanchero with Alabama Moonstruck as part of our controlled exposure segment here on Indecent Exposure at the Greylock Glass. Today is Thursday, July 2nd, 2015. I have been your host, Jason Velasquez, also known as The Mongrel, and it's been a pleasure to have you here with me this week. We will talk to you again next week. Till then, have a great time. Bye-bye.